0: Uh, Dr. Chris Owen, who is the Executive Vice President at Southeastern University, is going to be filling in for pastor, and I promise you, you're going to enjoy this morning's message. Did a great job in the first service and preached at Lakeside for us. Um, Jeff Jeff Sellers was on vacation last week and just, just did a fabulous job there. Good morning, Victory Church. How are you? Hey, can we give the Lord a shout of praise one more time? Come on, lift your voice in this place. God, you are good. There is nothing more exciting. Then thinking about the possibility of what God wants to do with us. You can be seated this morning. As uh, you've already heard, my name is Chris. Uh, I am uh, just a faithful member of this community. I love my church. I have the, uh, the privilege of working now since 2009 at Southeastern University. And, uh, man, it is always an honor and a privilege uh, when I'm asked to fill in for our pastor. Uh, of all these things, can I just say, I'm a huge fan of our pastor. I don't know about you. I just think he's amazing. Yeah, that's appropriate. I just think, man, he's just a man of integrity and truth and just a great all-around leader. Also love the staff of this church. Uh, if you're visiting, you're a guest here. This is an anomaly today. I'm a fill-in guy, and you can feel how much love and community is in this place. You come back next week, it's going to be the same. It's a hallmark of this church. And so uh, just so th- thrilled with the new partnership that we've got going on here that you can actually internship here for credit through Southeastern University. Uh, some great things are happening. Uh, this last song has just got my heart race uh, racing a little bit. Man, was that not powerful? Uh, and I, what I love about it is I didn't text them this morning and say, hey, here's what I'm going to preach on. But, but I'm about to get into God's word with you and talk about how do you move from fear to faith. I think it's a pretty appropriate song. I thought we were right on the money, right? How do we move from fear to faith? And so uh, people have been asking me, hey, Chris, how's your summer going? And I was like, I don't know. It hasn't started yet. Uh, anybody else feel like busyness and work and hurry kind of robbed June from you and now you're realizing that August is around the corner? And so, um, officially, uh, my wife and I, our vacation was is supposed to start in about 30 minutes. Some of you are going, no, say 20. as uh, Soon as this service is over, and so we went online, and we're, we're staying over at uh, Anna Maria. If you've never been over there, it's a beautiful beach on the west west coast of Florida. And our original schedule was still, we were gonna she was gonna be at church here with me today, and we were gonna go afterwards. And we got a phone call and, and said, well, well, we're sorry, there's a problem with your reservation. Uh, I don't know about you, you mess with my vacation, and I'm not going like, to act like Jesus a lot. I may have to ask forgiveness or whatever. And they're like, no, no, it's, it's not a big deal. Uh, you just can't check in on Sunday, you have to check in on Saturday. <laughs> and I said, oh, you mean I have to spend an extra day at the beach? Oh, yes, if you're going to force me, I'll say yes to that. And so last night, my wife and I were, were walking along the beach holding hands. Uh, August will be 23 years that we've been married. Uh, love and life living a life we don't deserve, two beautiful kids. And as I watched uh, uh, the sunset uh, on the ocean, just there with, man, the, my favorite person in the entire world, my wife, it just dawned on me how wonderful our God is, how, how majestic. If he made that, is there, not, is there anything he can't do? And sometimes we get frustrated, and sometimes we let circumstance dictate our vision, and we forget he's the God who said, let there be light. He's the God that set that in motion, and somehow he's not big enough to handle my issue, right? So last night I got to see the beautiful sun, sunset uh, in Anna Maria, but this morning I got up long before dawn uh, and was, uh, got to see the beautiful sunrise on I-4. Not as pretty. Uh, but, but still got to see it, <laughs> right? Still the same thing. And so I want to talk to you today out of the book of Judges, chapter 6. We're going to talk about Gideon. And uh, I want to just kind of lay this out. And I told you the idea that I'm going to unfold today is how God moves us from fear to faith. From fear to faith. And the title of the message is pretty simple, and you're going to get about everything you need out of it. Uh, the title of the message is One Step at a Time. One step at a time at a time. Now, how many of you are in my tribe, you believe that when you buy something new that has to be put together, that the little white paper inside of there with instructions is optional? Come on. Come on. you got to go at least a little, a few rounds without the paper. God created you with a brain. You can do this, right? After 23 years, this is what it looks like in my house. I'm putting something together. I'm going, babe, this thing's a piece of junk. You bought junk. This doesn't work. And my wife's behind me with the, with the, with the instructions. And she goes, uh, Chris, you skipped steps two through four. Here are the four screws that you need, right? <laughs> I'm like, jerk. Uh, just kidding. I would never say that to her. I'm very afraid of her. If you're watching, hon, I love you in the best way. Uh, the idea... Is that I don't like to wait. I, I want to skip some steps in the process and get where God wants me to be. Uh, but if I don't have those processes, I can't be who he created me to be. Does that make sense? And, and some of the things that I see with, with especially, uh, you know, it's not just younger couples, but a lot of younger couples, they want to bypass anything. If it feels bad, it must be bad. And so they're doing everything in their life to avoid any trouble and to, to not take any risks. Uh, and here's what I say to them. It, it, you'll learn more from one failure than you will ten successes. You will learn, you'll learn far more about who you are and who you need to be when you have a challenging time than if you manage to live your life just smooth sailing and no challenges. And how many of you in here would say, I've never had one challenge in my life, and I don't regret it, right? Right? It's not happening. Everybody in the room, you face challenges. But here's the problem. Sometimes we let the challenge determine the course of our faith rather than the measure of our God determining the course of our action. Right? And God wants to change us. So let's take a look at the story. And this is how we're going to unfold this today. I believe the Bible is everything we need to know, to learn, and to be. And God gave it to us so that we could look to it to teach us his ways of becoming who he is. So we're going to look at Judges chapter 6. I'm going to set the context for this. The particular story that we're going to find is a little amazing to me. One of the things that I love about Scripture is God takes ordinary mess-up people like myself, amen, right, and uses them to do extraordinary things. And we find in two chapters the hero of our story, Gideon, goes from a coward hiding out from his enemy in the wine press right, to two chapters later emerging on paper as saying he wakes up his troops that are going to take on insurmountable odds, and he's yelling at them, wake up, follow me. The Lord has given us our enemy. Do what I do. And I'm going, wait a minute, hold on. I don't know what's happening. How can you go from a coward to a hero in less than, I don't know, 5,000 words? And we're going to look at that today because I believe what God took Gideon through are some of the same steps he wants to take you and I through in growing our faith. See, if you're going to move from fear to faith, you'll have to refuse to give in to your circumstances. You'll have to always lean in to knowing who your God is and who he created you to be. So let's read chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. There's only a couple of verses that are going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read a little bit more, and we're going to dive in and see what God has to say to us and through us today. Verse 11, chapter 6, says this. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing weed in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pay attention to that. (laughs) We got a guy who's hiding in a winepress, but the Lord shows up and goes... Hey, mighty warrior, I'm with you. I think it's interesting how God always speaks to who we're supposed to be and not who we think we are, right? Let's keep reading. But Sir Gideon replied, listen to the sarcasm in his voice. Listen to the pain. He says, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our father told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian, Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, two more and we're done. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. It's living, it's breathing, it's active. God, it's not just a story we read, but it's your words breathing life into our spirit, changing the way we think that we can follow you afresh and anew every day. And everybody said, Amen. Anybody got any bad habits in the room? Come on, just confession's good for the soul. All right, here's my favorite because this is the easy one everybody dives in. How many nail biters we got in the room? You just can't. You get nervous, you start chomping, and that's it, right? It just drives us crazy, all right? We won't go into a lot of the, uh, the, the, bad, the bad, you know, habits that you have, but, but how about my tribe? Uh, anybody else in the room feel like the appropriate time for you to start undressing from work is when you walk through the front door? Anybody, everybody have that habit? Let's so say you might have a shoe in the kitchen, and then one in the dining room, and then a shirt on the couch, right? My wife's been praying for 23 years, dear God, please deliver me from this tornado called my husband, Right? This is a bad habit, and I've tried to change it, and I've looked her in the eye and said, Honey, I love you, and because I love you so much, I'm going to be neat. (laughs) She'd come to me a little later and go, Well, I hope you're good at confession, because if not, you're a liar. (laughs) I've tried it. I can't break it. It's just a habit. It's there. And where we find Gideon... In the book of Judges, the entire book of Judges is about a nasty habit, a cycle of sin that the children of Israel were going through. And you got to understand this to see how he goes from a, a zero to a hero. And so here's the context, the story we find. For the last seven years, in fact, let me give you this, the cycle of sin, God would deliver the people and they would be happy and love life, right? New beamers for everybody, they're all happy, they're all content. And then after a little bit they would grow complacent, forget that it was God who'd saved them and delivered them. And so they would begin to worship other gods, and they begin to let sin take over their life. And then rebellion set in, and God said, fine, I'll take my hand off of you. And so what happens? They got blessed. They started to sin. God removed his hand. An enemy came in and started to attack them, devour them, put his hand on them, oppress them until they would cry out to God, God, come save us. Aren't you going to deliver us? And then God would raise up a judge or a prophet, right, someone to come and lead the charge to deliver them. And this happens over and over in the book of Judges. Gideon is one of those men. And so what we find here for the last seven years of Gideon's life, he has been experiencing hell on earth. Come on. Somebody's had a bad luck streak in the room, but seven years running? Come on. Don't go to Vegas. Life's not going to be good for you. We do not condone gambling in this church. See all the fine print. I'm just joking. Don't want to get in trouble with pastor. Pastor. Right? Seven years of bad luck, and here's what it was. The Midianites would come in at harvest time every year. So the children of Israel had all of their stock, they had all of their food for the entire year, the entire season, and the Bible said that this people would descend upon them like locusts. They said it would be easier. Scripture says it would be easier to count the, the grains of sand than to number all of the people that were invading them. And it wasn't enough that they invaded. Here's what they did. They took every piece of food they could find, they took or killed every animal that was there. So when they left, the Israelites were on the brink of starvation immediately after all of the hard work. and So you hear it in Gideon's voice when he looks and he says, well, you know, mighty warrior, wait a minute. <laughs> Where have you been? I- I've been here. There's a reason I'm hiding out. One, I- I'm, I'm not just not the guy you picked for the job. My clan is the smallest clan, and I'm the runt of the litter." God ever asked you to do something you felt completely inadequate to do? You ever been in a position that you had a job or a task that you're like, y'all picked the wrong person. I am not the person for this job, right? And that's exactly what Gideon was saying to him. He began to question God. And so this whole idea of living in this cycle of oppression was where we find Gideon. All he could see, all he could see was the bad luck and trouble that he had experienced for, for seven years of his life. And here's what I know. There are people in this room that bad things have happened to you. They're not pleasant. They're not fun. And more than likely, you didn't deserve it. And you're sitting here today, and the only thing that you can see is the problem that's in your face. And God is saying, I have something so much bigger for you. Let me help you get a different perspective on this life. I'm going to take you from fear of failing again, and I'm going to move you to a faith that will inspire people to follow you. And how does it happen? It happens one step at a time. The first step that Gideon took in moving from a place of fear into a place of faith was that he dealt with his doubt. See, when you deal with your doubt, the only other alternative, the opposite of doubt is trust. When you take the step of dealing with your doubt, of being honest with God, hey, do you not see my checkbook right now? Do you not see what I'm facing in my life? Where have you been? And when you, God's not afraid of your questions. You know that, right? It's okay for you to be completely open and honest with God. And so here's what, what Gideon did. He didn't just say, how's this going to happen? God says, I am going to be with you. Scripture goes on, and I won't read it for the sake of time, but here's what Gideon said. Hey, if you are who you say you are, why don't you stay here? I'm going to go get a sacrifice, and I'll be right back. I want to make sure you are who you say you are. And I love what the angel of the Lord said. He goes, I won't move until you return. One of the things that we forget about our God is he is patient with us in our seasons of doubt. God's not mad at you for doubting him. God's not upset with you for being angry about the place that you're in or the lot that you might have. He's waiting for you to come back and test and see who he is so that he can show himself to you to be the strongest one you've ever met in your life, the one who can redefine your life in the matter of a word. So here's what Gideon does. goes back, gets his offering, brings it back. He's got leavened bread. He's got a little bit of meat. He's got some broth. Shows up. There's the angel waiting for him, and he goes... Uh, What do you want me to do? He goes, take it, pour it on that rock, place your offering right there. And the Bible says when Gideon did that, the angel came over, touched his staff to the rock, and flames consumed it. Immediately the angel disappeared, and the Bible said Gideon had a revelation that he had just seen, the maker of heaven and earth, that he had just had an encounter with God. Let me tell you what we need right now in your moment of weakness. What you need more than a great therapy, a great book, a great conversation is an encounter with the living God that will reveal to you that I've got you in this moment. That the one who said let heaven and earth hanging the stars he's also looking at you and going I got you right now and see what doubt, what doubt causes you and I to do is we cling to the titles that the world and the enemy gives us divorcee, failure lonely, broke right add the title to that And I'm going to tell you, if you're going to move from fear to faith, you're going to have to take the step of trust and you're going to have to begin to believe that God's bigger than the label that somebody else put on you. You're going to have to begin to believe that God is bigger than the circumstance that's facing you. Her name was uh, Florence Chadwick. It's one of my favorite stories. I'm a junkie for uh, sports stories. Anybody else like that? I love amazing feats where athletes just, just defy just all common sense. Well, uh, she was 31 years old when she put her foot into the cold water off of the coast of uh, Catalina Island in California. It's the chilly Pacific Ocean, and she was about to embark on a 24-mile swim. I didn't, I didn't hesitate. I didn't misspeak. 24 miles, right? How many of you like uh, 24 minutes and I'm out? Forget that. How about two minutes and I'm out? She's going to swim from the coast of Catalina Island to the coast of California, which is 24 miles through shark-infested waters. Now, if you know anything, if you look her up, you'll see Florence was the first female to ever swim the English Channel both ways. That's 21 miles through ridiculous currents. She already held that record. And the story goes something like this. She steps into the water. She starts her journey. Fifteen hours in, fog, ridiculous fog sets in. And she has boats on both sides and and one trailing because they were going to protect her from the sharks. (laughs) That's a trust fall, isn't it? (laughs) I hope you pay attention when you see the ripple and you can harpoon him before he eats me. I don't like the odds of that, right? And so she's in this crazy frigid water, 15 hours swimming. And as she's in this moment, she grows weary and she stops and she looks up at the boat and she goes, I I don't think I can make it. I can't see. I, I, I just think I'm done. And her mom was in the boat. And her mom said, hey, you can do this. Keep swimming. She swims for a little bit longer, pulls her head up, and all she can see is fog in her face, and she can barely see the boats, and she calls it quits. She goes, I can't do it. Come get me. And if you know anything about open water swimming, the moment a person touches you or you grab a boat, your swim is over, your record no, no longer there. And they pull her out of the frigid waters, and she stands in the boat, and they wrap her. And shortly after she was there, the fog parts... And they realized that they were less than a quarter of a mile from shore. She had given up on her dream with just under a quarter of a mile to go. And how many times are you and I so close to what God wants to do for us and we stop before he gets the chance to bless us because we let our circumstance dictate our action. God wants to move you from fear, move you from despair, and move you into a place of faith where you can go, you know what, I may not see it, but God promised it, and I'm going to walk it through because my God said I am a conqueror. It's the same thing. It's not easy. It's easy to preach. It's hard to live. Seven years of oppression, and he calls to Gideon, hiding in a wine press. Hey, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. Really? Man, God is calling you to let go of the circumstances of your life and grab a hold of faith. How does it happen? One step at a time. Might be moving to a new city. Might be taking a new job, it might be embarking on a brand new career. God wants you to take one step at a time and trust Him that He has a plan for you. Amen. Amen. Later that night, the Lord speaks to Gideon again and He says, I have something else I want you to do. And Gideon goes, Okay, and I'll all this paraphrase because we're not going to read it, obviously. Um, and He goes, Okay, what do you want me to do? He said, your family set up uh, idols in the middle of the town, in the middle of the village, and I want you to go tear them down, the Asherah pole, the altar to Baal, and I want you to take your father's uh, bull that's seven years old, and I want you to take it, I want you to go sacrifice it to me, and I want you to tear down those altars to let everybody know that I'm the living God. Got it? So he just saw the angel of the Lord consume this, this miracle, right? If I saw someone set a rock on fire, I'm going to listen. I'm going to have a little confidence. Do you think Gideon's like fully ready to go now? Not really. The Bible says he did it at night so no one could see him. He grabbed his friends and they snuck around in the quiet of night and they tore this stuff down and they sacrificed this bull. They did all of this stuff. And the Bible says the next morning when the men of the city woke up, and I love the NIV, it says, after much investigation, <laughs> it's like CSI in the Old Testament, I love it, right? After much investigation, they determined Gideon did this. So they show up on Gideon's front door banging on it, right? Here's the man of faith, here's the mighty warrior, right? What does he do? Does he answer the door like what? Get some. Nope. The Bible says he's hiding behind his dad. And his dad has to deal with the crowd, and his dad says, wait a minute, if Baal's a real God, let him fight his own battles, but nobody's touching my board today. Right? How many of you believe God was so disappointed with Gideon that he didn't step up and be the man of faith he was supposed to be? You believe? I'm going to see your hands. How many of you feel like he's, I don't think so. And here's why. I wasn't just picking on you get your hands so I could tell you you're wrong. You might be right. The <laughs> lady over here looking like, no, I'm right. You asked me to raise my hand, I'm right. Don't make me come up there and explain why I'm right. I love it. And so here's what we've got. I don't think God expects us to be perfect. Because if we had that potential, he would have never sent his son. God is not expecting perfection. That's his job to cultivate that in you. What God is expecting from you and I is obedience. The second step that Gideon took was the step of dealing with his sin. He obeyed. He dealt with his doubt. He began to trust He dealt with his sin, he obeyed God. I want to tell you right now, if you want to take steps to moving from fear to faith, trust and obedience are the steps that you want to take. When you begin to trust that God is who he says he is, and you begin to obey his word, and you begin to deal with the junk in your life, think about that that cycle of sin that they went through. Did God cause the Midianites to come down on them? No, he just removed his protection. Who set that in motion? The people did with their sin, right? All right, this is going to sting a little bit, but I love you, and this is for your own good, and I'm talking to me, and you have to love me or you're going to hell, so that's on you. (laughs) So here we go. Most of the junk in our life is self-imposed. I'm just going to say it again. Most of the trouble that we get into in our life is when we act like God and we don't seek his counsel and we don't follow his word and we do our own thing and we find ourselves making a wreck of our life. Because I'm going to tell you right now, sin has never been God's plan for you and I. It's always been faith and following through with who he is. And so it, but it's a process and you got to be patient, right? So recently I had a, kind of an experience of a lifetime I got a chance to train with, uh, I think it's the best sheriff's office in the country, Polk County Sheriff's Office. If you're here and you serve that organization, uh, I love you and have a ton of respect for what you do uh, in our community, and we're grateful. And so if you, uh, if you saw on the news or whatnot, or maybe not, there's a program we started at the university that prepares a few of us, like eight right now, to respond in, in the worst-case scenario of an active shooter that ever uh, ever took place on campus. And so it required 132 hours of training with law enforcement uh, to be sworn in as a special deputy. Now, uh, I, I looked forward to this process because I looked at the classes that were going through, and I saw on there that we were going to be taking some time uh, with SWAT. And all the men in the room, saying, mm, yeah, wait a minute, I, me, just a mere administrator, I get to spend a couple of days training with the best of the best. Like, do I need a vest? Do I need a helmet? Tell me what I need. I ain't trying to show up not ready. I had it in my mind that when we came to these days, that we were going to train with with Polk County Sheriff's Office stuff, with the best in the nation, the SWAT. Like they were going to show up in a helicopter and rappel down and grab us and take us off. Right? I'm thinking they're going to be jumping out of the bus. I thought it was just going to be this over the top, adrenaline filled, yeah. And I couldn't wait to get there. Right? I was ready. I'm ready for the training. You've prepared me for this. And we show up on that day, and the first thing they look at us and say, yeah, if you'll follow me, we're going to go right to the classroom. <laughs> no, no, it, it's SWAT day. SWAT, sirens, the music, helicopters, snipers. No, 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 huh? no, they just follow me, we're going to go to the classroom. Remember, I told you I'm not the instruction guy, and I'm not the patient guy either. We get into the classroom, and then I realized about five minutes in that this was the greatest thing that they could do for me, they started talking about the process that we needed to understand. And they looked at us, and here's what they said. Hey, listen, for the next three hours, we want you to prepare yourself. We're going to help you do what you thought you could do naturally, but you have no idea of how to do that. And we're like, what is that? Walk through a door. Pardon me? Yeah, we're going to talk about entries today, and we're going to teach you how to walk through a door in a tactical situation. I'm like, are you kidding me? And about five minutes in, I started to go, I really have never known how to walk through a door before in my life. (laughs) I had no idea there was this much to do with it. Does it swing in? Does it swing out? Is it on the left side? Is it on the right side? Do I have people with me? I mean, we're an hour and a half in, and I'm riveted. Why? Because they were walking me through the process, and this is what they were saying to me, that in a moment of stress and these things, we pray it never happens, but if you don't follow your process, you are putting yourself at undue risk. If you don't follow God's process for your life, you are putting yourself at undue risk. You can't move from fear to faith without some failure. You can't move from fear to faith without some struggle. You can't move from fear to faith without following patiently what God has called you to do. And it's one step at a time. So once you've taken the step to trust God, say, well, what do I need to trust him with? Some of you in this room, the biggest challenge for you is trusting God with your finances. I I don't work for this church, right? But but you can pull my tithe records as well. And it's not because I know someone's looking at my tithe records. It's because my wife and I learned a long time ago when we were dirt poor that we could live more on 90% than we could ever live off 100. Why was that? Because when I trusted God with my finances... And I obeyed him to write that check when we were going, Dear God, this hurts. Have you ever written a check in church that hurts? I'm just, being, I'm just speaking candidly right now because I hear this all the time. People, all oh, the church, all they want is my money. Listen, I, I know this church, this is my church. You know what they spend your money on? Community outreach. It's unbelievable all the out expressions of service and ministry that take place out of here. But it doesn't matter what they use your money for. You know why? The Lord said, bring the tithe into the storehouse. This is my storehouse. And when my wife and I were first married, and we we're writing those checks, and I'm watching, I'm going, okay, I can get another job. This is the right decision. My wife has never waved. She cares a couple of times, I'm like, babe, Jesus is patient. He can hold up another two weeks. She would look at me like, How dare you speak that adulterous language? She's like, she's, I'm like, Easy, easy, cat woman, relax. And she's like, No, this is what we're going to do. This is, I mean, every, it's been clockwork. And let me tell you what, well, what I've seen, when I trusted and obeyed, the Lord showed up in ways that I never, ever could have imagined. Man, he's blessed us beyond measure. We're living a life we don't deserve, and it isn't because I'm talented. It isn't because I'm lucky. It's because the Lord has honored the trust and obedience that I've laid at his feet. Sir, you might be here today, and you've never trusted God with your money. It's the greatest thing that you can do in your life. Some of you need to trust God with your kids. You need to lay them at God's feet. Train them up in their way. Obey what God says. Teach their word. But, man, you need to trust God with your family because right now they may not be living the way you want them to live, but that's okay. You stay faithful. You don't let fear set in and go, well, what if they do this? What if this happens? No, 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 no. You stand on faith where the word says, man, no member of my house is going to fall away. I'm going to claim this in prayer. God, I have raised them up in the right way, and they're going to come back to you. See, there's power in the name of Jesus. Some of you this morning need to trust God that you are who he says you are. See, some of you in the room, you have this image that other people have labeled you with, right? Maybe an unplanned pregnancy outside of wedlock. Maybe all sorts of crazy things. Maybe a stint with drugs. Maybe just, man, you didn't achieve the way you thought. Whatever it may be, you walk around with this shame on your shoulders, And the Lord's looking at you today, going, Mighty warrior, I'm with you. Cast off the label that man put on you and take up the mantle that God put on you, where He said, You're my son, you're my daughter. You're a priest, you're a king. You're an overcomer, you're a conqueror. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. God has not given you and I a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of self-discipline so when you trust God and you start to obey God and you take these steps then you better watch out when the enemy shows up because you got something for him the next part of the story that we see the next the next step that we see Gideon take is that he dealt with his enemy he dealt with his doubt he took the step of trust he dealt with his sin he took the step of obedience and now he's dealing with his enemy let me fill in the blanks for you if you don't know the full story. The Bible says, and if you do the estimates, we're talking of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of soldiers that were uh, possessing the land. The Bible says that when Gideon put his army together, there were 32,000. Now, I don't know about you, but let's just say for the sake of conversation, 32,000 versus, I don't know, 300,000. Anybody like those odds? Not so much. Jesus, if you're moving me from fear to faith, you might want to change the, du- the numbers. But how many of you know God doesn't work all man's math? Right? So then it gets crazy. The Lord looks at Gideon and goes, hey, by the way, you got too many people. What? Yeah, 32,000 is not going to work for me. I'm going to need you to reduce them down. What are you talking about? If you know the story, through a process, a couple of funny uh, moments with Gideon and his men, he went from 32,000 men to 300 so let's just say 300 versus 300,000. Made a great movie. Definitely not about Gideon. Two people caught that. My bad. Thought it was funny. Tell my wife. How did it go? It was good till 1145. I dropped a joke and it just went flat. It was bad. They were like, dude, land the plane. 300. Right? But right now, do you think Gideon is in full confidence? He's I mean, still not, is he? If you know the story... The Lord knew his heart and in his patience and kindness, he said, hey, Gideon, I want you to go down to the the camp of the enemy and you're going to overhear a conversation. And what you hear there is going to fill you with faith and you're going to be confident. So what does he do? He takes that step of obedience. He walks down and he overhears this weird conversation. sounds like me after a night of sushi, uh, this guy's talking about his dream, Right? You ever eat crazy food and have crazy dreams? Here's his dream. He says, yeah, I had this dream that this large ball of yeast or, or bread or something was rolling down a hill and just dis- destroyed our tent and our camp. I have no idea what it means. And, and Gideon's listening to these two guys. And the guy's friend goes... I know exactly what that dream means. That means the Lord has given us into the hand of Gideon and his men, and we're all going to be defeated. And the Bible says when Gideon heard that phrase, his heart was filled. I want to read this to you. I'm going to ask the band to come back as we close, because I want, to hear, I want you to hear the words of the man who was hiding in a wine press but took the step of trust. The guy who said, I'm the runt of the litter, but he took the step of obedience, and now he's seen what God was willing and able to do, In and through him, listen to his words. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars. The dude doesn't even have a weapon. In the hands of all of them, with torches inside. Verse 17. The runt of the litter has now turned into the general leading the charge. Verse 17, watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. And what happened was they did it and the enemy began to panic and they began to devour each other and God delivered them from their oppressors that day. Why? Because he took the step of trust. He took the step of obedience. Do you remember the story about Florence I told you? Where she gave up on her swim with a quarter mile to go? Story didn't end there. She went back the following year and, like clockwork, 15 hours in, fog sets in and she's weary. What do you think she does? She pulls a Nemo. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And she just swims until she's standing on sand and now she's on a beach and she set her personal goal. This is what I wanted to do. See, what happens when we see little things where God shows favor, I call them winks or wins, that God meets you in small ways. Don't forsake those. Those are the confidence builders that he's saying, trust me, take another step. Trust me, take another step. Trust me, take another step. Some of you today, you gave up when victory was in reach. And you find yourself back in the game of life. And my question to you is, are you going to quit again? Or are you just going to keep swimming? Are you going to let your circumstance determine your effort? Or are you going to let the faith that God has established inside of you brand you as a man or a woman that people will follow? That when you say, follow my lead, people get up and they follow you. Man, what would our church look like if it was filled to the brim with people, with faith that would say, follow my lead. I never said it was going to feel good. The greatest moments of growth in my life have been the most horrific, painful, and troublesome. But it was when I got on the other side of them, and I say this all the time because I believe it, It's, it's it's my experience. When I get on the other side of them and I didn't give up, I trusted God. I'm 5'8 in the physical, but I'd like to think in the spiritual realm right now I'm about 6'2. Much less body fat. Because I've been through some stuff. And I trusted God to be faithful. Can I just tell you what happens on the other side? The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. He already shed his blood. Let me give you a little testimony. The next time trouble faces you, you don't quit. You don't give up. You don't back down. You simply look it in the face and you go, I've been here before and God saw me through that, and he'll see me through this. Hey, if you're here and you're in this room this morning and you're going through some stuff and you go, you know what, Chris, I need to take that step. It could be the step of obedience to deal with some sin in your life. That's between you and God. Or it could be for you to go, man, I'm in a place right now. It is so hard for me to trust God. I just want to grab the wheel, but I know if I take over, I'm going to ruin everything. I need you to pray with me, Chris, that I can take the step of faith and trust God. If that's you this morning, I simply want you to lift your hand where you are, and we're going to pray for you right now. Yep. 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 Good. All over the place. Hey, before I pray for this crew right here, I'm going to throw this out. Sir, ma'am, if you're in the room and you've never had a moment where you said, today I choose to follow Jesus Christ, I'm going to simply unpack this for you. It's so easy. The Bible says that when we believe with him, Believe in him with all of our heart, man, that he is the son of the living God, that he died for our sins and rose again, that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. If we believe in him and we confess it with our mouth, we're saved. In other words, you've taken that step of trust. You've taken that step of obedience. Uh, And if you're here and you're in this room and you've never done that before, You say, today's my day, Chris. I want to take the first step. I want to follow God with my whole heart. I want to know him. I want to become a Christ follower today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. Yep, yep, I love it. I love it. I'm looking around. If you raise it, let me, some others. Okay? Hey, will you all pray with me this prayer? We're going to pray two prayers, and then we're just, I'm going to clearly close. But right now, let's all pray this prayer together. Right? Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I've done wrong, and I know that you are who you say you are. I know that Jesus died for my sins and conquered death, hell, and the grave, that I could follow him and be his son or daughter. Today I give you my heart. I confess with my mouth, I am yours. In the name of Jesus amen. Pretty small step, huh? Not really. The Bible says that all of heaven is rejoicing. Nowhere does it say all your problems will immediately go away. But it says now that the God of heaven is with you. He's for you, not against you. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, when I close us in prayer, there are going to be some folks that come up here. And I want to invite you to come and just talk to them and say, hey, today I made that decision. I took that step. Here's all they're going to do to you. Trust me. They're normal people. They're just going to go, man, that's an incredible, let me celebrate with you. They're going to get your name. They're going to talk to you about what it takes to take the next step, which is simply this. Get committed here. Get grounded here. Be a part of this great community, right? They're going to talk to you about where to start reading in your Bible. Now, for the rest of you that raised your hand and you said, I'm going through some stuff, but look up here and hear me and hear it in your heart. You are not lost. God has not misplaced you. Today is your day of victory and triumph. You are about to shake off the shackles. You're about to let go of the fear because the one who said, let there be light, has looked at you and said, mighty warrior, I am with you. Let's pray. And when I get done with this prayer, they're going to sing, but you're going to be officially dismissed. You can get out of here, right? But I just want to pray for you right now. Let's do this. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we love you and we thank you that you find us where we are and you call us to where we should be. Lord, you call us, Lord, mighty warrior. You call us son. You call us daughter. I pray for every person that raised their hand in this room today and said, Lord, I'm going through some stuff. I need help. I need you to speak to me. God, show me your power. Lord, I pray today that you would show them your strength, that you would reveal yourself in a mighty way, maybe at this altar. Lord, maybe on the way home. But Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would be with this church, with this family, that we would be known as people of faith and not people of fear, that we would be light in a dark world, that we would be people who speak hope and peace because we have received that from you and Lord we do all of these things in your precious name we pray and everybody said hey we love you, thank you for coming today, God bless you if you gave your heart to Jesus (laughs) slip down here and talk to some of these folks, love you